At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. All right, so let's jump in here. Have you ever, have you ever been around someone where uh, they're that person who's full of hope? And I don't just mean full of hope, but I mean like it's dripping from them. They like walking around and they're like the, you know, when you wish upon a star. You know, they're kind of like that, just like all the time. They're the person who says like the Lions, they're probably still going to make the playoffs. Like they are, and, and they're going to turn around because I have hope, you know, and I watch the games. And like that first game, they should have won that first game against the Bears. They sit, and they're smiling from ear to ear, and you're looking at them going, what? what? Like, how are you saying that? And they're going, no, it just, I had my fingers crossed, but not my toes. If I would have crossed my toes, everything would have been different. Like that's so I'm moving forward starting today. Fingers and toes are going to be crossed. Like they were this close. He dropped the ball in the end zone. Like it could have ended so differently. And, and they're just so full of hope, right? It's just dripping from, but then there's the other side. You've been around people during the season that are living examples of Proverbs 13 that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Let me say that again. Hope deferred, put off hope, makes the heart sick. This would be the group that would say, okay, I was told to quarantine because the hospitals were in a crisis and they were overloaded. So just quarantine until that's fixed. And then I was told, no, 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 we got to flatten the curve. And then I was told, no, we're not flattening the curve. We're waiting for a vaccine. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. All of a sudden, you're surrounded by some people in your life where it's like the joy has been sucked right out of them, hasn't it? See, heart sick, I don't mean like a heart attack. No, I mean your, your health, your emotional well-being, your joy, all mixed up in one. A hope deferred makes the heart sick. We are right in the middle of a season where COVID is still a main topic of conversation, where the elections are dividing our, our nation right into two. I don't think there's ever been a more appropriate time for us to talk about hope and the hope that Scripture calls us to. Let's take our Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 17 is where we're going to be. Pastor Steve kicked us off into this series, Unshakable, last week. And he talked about how Peter mentions that we are, we are aliens here, right? We are sojourners through this life. We are exiles on this planet. And yet sometimes we act like this is our forever home, don't we? Which is so silly. It, is so, it would be like if you went to the Holiday Inn. Go with me now. So in your mind, you're going to the Holiday Inn. And you get to the Holiday Inn, and you check in, and you get to your room, and you walk in, you cross your arms. And you look at that painting on the wall, and you go, that's an ugly painting. I don't know that flower painting. I don't know who picked that, but that's not very cool at all. You know what? We're going to do something about that. And you sit on the furniture, and you're like, oh, this is way too stiff. Like, who picks this furniture? This is not comfortable furniture. And so you're like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on Amazon.com, and I'm going to get me a new painting for the wall, because that will not do. I'm going to do something about that. And the furniture, I was going to say Art Van, but they closed it, and they, like, they, they're not a thing. Any, wherever you're going to go. What, I don't know what the other furniture stores are, but you, you know, you're going to go to another furniture store, because you're going to take, that'd be silly, wouldn't it? That'd be silly because that Holiday Inn is never meant to be your permanent place of residence. And yet, so often with where we place our hope, we act like this is our forever home. 
And this is not our forever home. That's what Peter spends this whole time talking to us about. Steve mentioned last week, verse 3, we've been born again to a living hope. We've been born again to our living hope. Today, we're going to see in verse 13 that we should set our hope fully. Circle that word in your Bible. We're going to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Meaning future. We're not there yet. But we're going to set our hope fully, not halfly, not partially, not somely, not mostly, fully. We're setting our hope fully on this grace that will come. Now, my friends, Jesus will return again. He will. And when he comes in, it is going to be the most horrifying and beautiful day in all of human history. All in once. Now, for the Christian, for us, it's going to be like the greatest of Christmas mornings. Like, it is going to be the absolute best as he returns with all honor and glory and power and might and wisdom as Jesus comes back. It will be the best of days. This is what's coming, and Peter tells us to set our hope fully on that grace that will be coming, that future grace, which brings us to our big idea today. Our big idea is that future grace transforms our conduct today. Future grace, grace that will be coming should change, should influence, should impact how we live today. And so for the remainder of this morning, I want us just to look at two ways that we view this grace that will come, this future grace, and how it should really impact the way that we live today. The first thing that we're going to see is that if God is your father, we should be holy. If God is your father, then be holy. Let's start reading in verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, meaning in light of everything that Pastor Steve read last week, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I know I kind of like pre-preached a little bit of this. I don't know if that's even a thing, but I kind of pre-preached this verse. But we need to prepare our minds for action. Do you see that? Peter gives us two descriptions here. Prepare your mind for action. Be sober-minded. That's what should be happening. Meaning, Christians, we should read our Bibles. Otherwise, your mind is being influenced by what the news says. Your mind is being influenced by social media. Your mind is being influenced by friends. Our mind should be influenced by the Word of God. That's where our mind should be influenced by the more than 1,000 pages of Scripture, the 800,000 words, each word you could spend days studying an individual word, right? Multiple authors, multiple literary genres. You've got history there and narrative there and poetry and apocalyptic literature and wisdom literature, and it's all in there. Three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and and Greek, right? It's all there. We could spend a lifetime studying. Prepare your minds be sober-minded. I was with uh, Pastor Doug at a retreat. The campus pastors were with him. This is right when Pastor Doug was about to pass off the baton to Pastor Chris as the senior leader of Woodside Bible Church. And as we were sitting there, someone asked the question. They said, Pastor Doug, what are you most looking forward to with this next season? You spent decades leading Woodside. What are you most looking forward to? And, and his answer is one that still is just cycling around in my head and my heart. You know, he said, well, I want more time to spend with my wife. I've missed her for a few years. It'll be good to see my wife. And, 
uh, my kids and my grandkids. He's just smiling from ear to ear, you know, as he's talking about it. My grandkids, it's going to be so good. And he goes, and you know what I'm also really excited about? I'm excited to have the opportunity to go back and spend more time studying the Word of God. Pastor Doug said he's excited about more time to spend studying the Word of God. And, and I just sat there and I thought, how many sermons has this man preached? And how many leaders has he invested in? And how many pastors has he encouraged? And this man that I respect deeply is looking at us saying, I'm so excited about more time to study God's Word. That should be a bit of a challenge to us today, shouldn't it? We want to be sober-minded. We want our minds ready, which means we've got to spend time in His Word. Pick up in verse 14. Peter says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, we are in exile right now. This is not our permanent home. So there's a cultural push that says this. There's a cultural push that says, you know what? God loves you. And if God loves you, then he wants you to be happy, clearly, right? So go do whatever you want to do because God loves you. And let me just say, that's not scriptural. That is not scriptural at all. That's not what we're called to. Yes, God does love you. That is true. I love my boys. I got two boys, Ian and Gabe. Gabe's the only one left at home. And I love Gabe. I really love him. Gabe, you can't do whatever you want to do, buddy, right? He can't, he can't say whatever he wants to say. That's not how our home is structured. There should be this modeling that takes place that has this family resemblance. And the, the Bible uses this word fear, right? He judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Conduct yourselves with fear. Now, fear, don't read that as an abusive kind of fear, this is not fear where you sit in the corner crying and you're scared. This is not that kind of fear. Under the bed because someone's in the house. This is not that kind of fear. This is the fear like when you're standing before a judge. There's a respect there. There's an honor there. You know, my dad's in the hospital. He just had surgery last week. And uh, he, can't even, he can't even get up and walk around right now. And yet, there is a very healthy respect that I have for my father. He's still, he's still my dad. And so when I talked to him on the phone yesterday, this was not like, oh, I'm a man now, so I'm going to talk to you however I want to talk to you. No, my response is yes, sir, and no, sir. He's my father. There's a way that I treat my father. There was a respect I come to him with. And so what this is saying is because we respect our father, because we fear and love him, we're going to start to live as him. There's going to be a resemblance there. We're going to be holy as he as whole is holy instead of being conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. Now I want to spend some time on this because this is huge. Former ignorance meaning before you came to faith in Christ, before your faith, how did you live? And what were the things that you clung to? I mean, you didn't even know, right? Ignorance. You didn't even know, but you clung to those things. Now, maybe I think everyone's different in here. Maybe for you, it was a greed thing and you clung to greed. And maybe it was a lust issue and you clung to lust. And maybe with you, it was an anger thing. And, you, and what happens is, and here's when you know you make the switch. When you're still clinging to those 
former things, you want to make excuses for those things instead of looking at God's word and making excuses for God's word. Does that make sense? When you cling to God's word, this is when you say, here's what truth says. Here's what the word says. I know it cuts. It's hard. It's difficult to live out. Yet this is what truth says versus that. Here's what this looks like. This looks like when you say, well, my grandfather was an angry person. My father was an angry person. I just come by it honestly. Right? And that's what we do. We make excuses for it. Greed. I'm not really greedy. I mean, I know I'm not generous, but I grew up poor. And because I grew up poor, I don't want my kids to ever experience what I experience. And so, I mean, yeah, when you talk about the tithe thing and giving financially to the church, it makes me mad, you know, because it's just, and we want to make excuses for this, right? And you could go on and on and on when it comes to the lust thing. Well, you know, guys just look at it sometimes. What happens? We just, it's not that big of a deal. I don't act on it, so it's okay. Which when you say, well, I mean, I'm just flirtatious. That's what, I'm just a flirtatious person. I just, you know, I do that. And the whole time you're looking for the approval of people. You, you want the approval of people so much that you start to move into that area of sin in your life instead of clinging to God's truths and ways. For mine, I'll share my story. And honestly, I hate my story. I hate it. There was a time where I laughed about it and I thought it was really funny, but the more it's funny, the more you cling to God's word and you see it lived out in your life, the more foolish and ignorant those things seem, right? So for me, it was pride. That was the sin I struggled with and I didn't even realize it was a struggle for me. I had no idea. I was interviewing for a ministry position and as I was interviewing for the ministry position, I had done this psychological profile and I was sitting down with the psychologist. And just so you know, when you interview a ministry, it's not like, hey, so I see you have a degree from this seminary. Check, you're in. Nope, that's not the way it works. It is a lot of interviews and a lot of conversations because you deal with people, right? And you're dealing with God's word. There's weight to this. So I'm working with the psychologist, and the psychologist looks at me and says, Billy, it says on my report that sometimes you struggle with authority. And church, here's what I said. I smiled from ear to ear, and I was confident as could be. And I said, I don't struggle with authority. If the leader's a strong leader, I'll follow them anywhere. But they're not going to lead. Someone's got to lead, so I guess I'll do it. I didn't have years of ministry experience at that point. I, I really didn't know. But do, do you hear the puffed upness in that comment? Do you hear the arrogance? This wasn't about the Lord, was it? It was about me. It was about my skills and my talents and, and me. It was me-focused, me-centered, not Christ-centered. And, and so I had to repent of that, right? The Lord had to convict me of it, and I've had to change my ways. And I guess my question is, where are you with this journey right now? Where are you when it comes to, instead of being conformed to the passions of our former ignorance, where are you with that? And here's how you know. When you speak, do you speak words of love and life that draw people closer to Christ? Or do they become further away from Christ? When you speak, is it the Lord who is glorified or is it you who's glorified? What you're looking at with your eyes, is it drawing you closer to the Lord or is it pulling you further away from the Lord? What you do with your spare time, what you do with your finances, what you're dreaming about and, and putting your energy toward, is it drawing you closer to the Lord or pulling you further away from the Lord? That's how you know how you're doing with this. I love how it says it in the book of Hebrews. It says, strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
Or again, 1 Peter 1.15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Real fast before I go on, we don't, we don't pursue holy in our lives because we're trying to earn our way to heaven. That is not the point. You don't try to be holy so that you can say, well, I'm, I'm that much better than that person. As long as I'm a little bit better than them, then God will probably let me in. He may not let them in, but he'll let me in. That's not why you pursue holy. You don't pursue holy to try to earn a right standing with God. You pursue holy because of what the Word of God tells us next. We're going to see that if Jesus is your Redeemer, you be faithful. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Peter tells us we've been ransomed. We've been, we understand ransom, don't we? Ransom means you're a hostage. That's what ransom is. You're a hostage. So picture yourself, you've been captured and you've been placed in a jail cell all by yourself. One where you can't even stand up all the way. One of those jail cells, right? So you're in the jail cell all by yourself. You can't ransom yourself. You're, you're in bondage right now. Right? You're a prisoner in that place. You can do nothing to set yourself free. You are captured. Now, when they read this in the first century, for the Hebrew people, they would have made a connection. They would have gone to the Old Testament because they would have said there was a time where our people were indeed in chains. We were slaves. The Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt before God brought them out. They were the ones working for Pharaoh and building all those great monuments in Egypt. The Hebrew people were building those monuments. Deuteronomy chapter 7, just listen to this. Verse 8 says, it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you, rescued you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. You've been purchased. You've been redeemed. You didn't do it. You are in, in, in chains. You are captured. You are held captive and hostage. But it's not a, a king. It's not the Pharaoh of Egypt who's holding you. It is sin that we are a bondage to. Then Peter says, the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, right? This, this is where you are, right? It's that place of before faith in Christ. This is how I lived, and I didn't know better, so these are the things that I cling to. But then Peter moves to how you were ransomed. Because he says, not silver or gold. Look at verse 18 and 19 again. Not with the perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Without silver or gold. See, sometimes I think... How we process is, if I be good enough, I can earn my way out of that place where I am. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is eternal separation from a holy and an awesome God. That's the wages of sin. On your own, you can't fix it. You can't be good enough. Peter tells us that it is with the precious blood of Jesus. He says, without a lamb without blemish or spot. So this, again, would have taken them back to the Passover. Because at the Passover, as the, 
as the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt, they all killed the lamb without blemish or spot. They took the blood of the lamb that covered the, the doorpost of their homes. The death angel literally passed over. That's where the word Passover comes from. Literally passed over the homes that were covered by the blood of the lamb. This was a sacrificial system that the Hebrew people were in. They understood that when there was sin, there had to be the death to cover the, the sin. A lamb without blemish or spot. And listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus in chapter 53, talk about a suffering servant who had come like a lamb that is led to slaughter, so he opened not his mouth. You see, Jesus offers us through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, he offers the ransom that you and I can't pay. That's what he does through the cross. It is through faith in Christ that gives us that right standing. It is through faith in Christ that we are saved. That's the hope, the unshakable hope that we cling to. It's not a hope that says, I'm, I'm clinging to all these things of the world. Verse number 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So Peter reminds us, or maybe for you it's not a reminder this morning, maybe you're hearing it for the first time, that Jesus didn't come out of nowhere. He was foreknown. He was known by God from the very beginning. I love how John says that in the beginning was the Word, was Jesus and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him all things, church, through Him all things were made. Revelation chapter 13 tells us that this lamb without blemish was known in the mind of God from the very, very beginning. For our sake, Jesus has come. Now, I want to be real clear. I, I love when people have hope. Hope for the lions. I'm all for it. They, they need some hope, right? It's okay to hope for the lions. It's okay to hope for your favorite political candidate. I want to encourage everybody to be very active in the political process this year, right? I want you to be engaged and in prayer for this process. I want you to love your family. You hear me talk a lot about and preach a lot about your family, of how husbands and wives should treat each other, how children should treat their parents and vice versa, of how you should interact in a business relationship, of how you should interact with your time and how you should interact with your money. But let's remember, all those things are temporary things. What we're talking about this morning is the eternal hope that we have in Christ. And so maybe, maybe church family, you're here, and the reality is you start to drift in some of those things just a little bit. And until I said it this morning, you didn't even realize you were doing it. But you're like, yeah, some of my old ways through this past five months or so, it started to sneak in just a little bit, hasn't it? The way that your tongue is handled with the words that you say, the way that you handle your time, the things that you're doing with your eyes. Maybe there's been some old ways start to sneak in. The beauty to that is this morning you get that reminder that you can repent and turn from that. You don't have to stay there. Turn back to the Lord. That's what this morning should be for us. It should be an encouragement to all of us to continue to have our minds prepared, sober, and ready for action. We've got to continue to be faithful in spending time in the Word. And then there's also those, maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Church, can we pray? 
Father, I do thank you just for the work that you continue to do through this church. And Lord, the way that we can continue to see that you're doing a work on us. Lord, even those embarrassing places in our lives that we don't like to share, we don't like to talk about, we praise you for the way that you continue to work even in those spaces. Lord, will you just continue to, to do the kind of work where we're a better reflection of you? Because our hope continues to be in that place where we know that one day Jesus will return. And Lord, I want Jesus to look at me and say, that's my kid. I recognize him. I recognize the fruit of his life. That's my boy right there. Lord, we want to be people who are recognized by you because of the faith that we have, because of the words that we speak, because of how we spend our time, because of how we spend our actions. Lord, we want to glorify you with all that we do. Lord, I also want to pray for those maybe in this room who've never placed their faith in you. They've tried to be good. They've tried to be smart. They've tried to figure it out. They've tried to read. They've tried to pray. They've tried everything, Lord. But they've never surrendered. I just pray for your Holy Spirit to do a work in their heart this morning. For the freedom to stop right here, right now, and say, I believe. Lord, they're able to say they believe that you love us. And that you came to this earth that Jesus lived this perfect life, this sinless life, that he was crucified on a cross. That he paid the ransom for our sins. Because, Lord, we have sinned. We're not perfect. We are in that cage, every single last one of us. That's why Jesus came. But, Lord, we believe on that third day he conquered death. He conquered sin and he rose again. And Lord, we thank you that through our faith in that truth, we come busting out of that cage. That we are free. We are free for today and we are free for eternity. Lord, I pray for those who need to stop right now and say, I'm placing my faith and my trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Amen and amen. Church, let's stand as we close our morning worshiping together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.